0: I'm A.J. Shankman, the town of Gardner Historian, Gardner, New York, in Ulster County, not to be confused with Gardner in Long Island. I am the author of the upcoming book, Patriots and Spies in Revolutionary New York.
1: Revolutionary War Spies, right here in New York State. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. My guest is A.J. Shankman, who teaches history in the lower Hudson Valley and writes about the history of Ulster and Orange Counties. He is the town of Gardner Historian. That's a town in Ulster County. A.J. Shankman is the author of several books. His most recent book is Patriots and Spies in Revolutionary New York, published by Roman and Littlefield's Pequot Globe Press. What prompted you, uh, A.J., to research spies in revolutionary New York?
0: It's something that I've always been interested in. Uh, In fact, I think uh, there was a professor who um, many years ago said that he enjoyed um, the underbelly of uh, U.S. history. Um, And I think that's um, really what I kind of look for, you know, those untold stories and the grittier side of for instance, the American Revolution, one of the things that, uh, you know, through my research, uh, earlier research, which helped create this book, is that uh, the Revolutionary War was always thought of as, you know, a gentleman's war. Um, And it was um, a pretty tough war, um, especially on the populations and, uh, you know, when researching about camp followers, a lot of times they were with their husbands and you know, and their in their, uh, their fiancés, but um, they also were there for protection and protection against you know uh, raiding armies and also against Tories that mm-hmm. roamed the area. And um, and I found that um, it started out as a book focused on Ulster County, but quickly uh, began to encompass most of New York. And uh, and I found that uh, a lot of interesting stuff that went on. Um, Some of it known, some of it lesser known. Some of it, Hmm. I think, borders on uh, more legend, (laughs) but it was still interesting to me.
1: A couple of questions, I think, spin out of that. Uh, The the first is, you talked about the revolution was not a gentleman's war. Maybe no war is a gentleman's war. In fact, um, it it seems, that I believe you use this phrase, uh, and I've heard it from other scholars of the Revolution. The Revolution was a civil war, really, wasn't it?
0: Yes, um, it was the first civil war in what becomes the United States. Um, and of course, you know, then you have the second one, uh, you know, between the North and the South. When uh, going to school, you know, you, you know, you kind of learn that, uh, you know, when, uh, especially in some of the other readings I've done. That, you know, that the, rev- uh, the Revolutionary War was more just a war of gentlemen, uh, you know, paroles, and uh, many, and a lot of people didn't necessarily die. And, um, but we find that, um, again, there were, there were massacres, there were, you know, uh, slash-and-burn type of uh, battles. Uh, and I guess the big name that would have come out of that, though he's not in my book, is Banasta Tarleton who was considered, uh, there was, his nickname was Butcher Tarleton. It tore whole families apart. Uh, this isn't in the book, but, I mean, the most glaring example would probably be Ben Franklin and his uh, son, um, William Franklin, who was, uh, was, a, was a, ro- a royalist, and obviously we know Franklin was not. And uh, they didn't talk much um, after the war and during the war.
1: Mm. Well, t- tell us, I, I don't know about that uh man you mentioned. Who was uh, Butcher Tarleton? Was that his name?
0: Um, I haven't done a tremendous amount of research, Mm -hmm. but um, uh, he was known for taking uh, no prisoners and showing no mercy after he beat the uh, Americans um, during a battle. um, He would go across the field and and, and kill kill the wounded. Mm -hmm. Um, So, And uh, who I guess ended up uh, taking him out was uh, Daniel Morgan's uh, rifle company. Uh, they cleaned his clock, so to speak. But um, but it, it, Patriots and Spies and Revolutionary New York, I mean, I, you know, I, I so enjoyed writing the book. And uh, for those who follow my writings, um, people were emailing me saying, you know, you've taken quite a break. And um, prior to this, uh, the book is dedicated to my father. Uh, my father, uh, after he was killed in New York City, I just took a, uh, I took a, a long break just to kind of reflect on my life and to keep, keep my family together. And, um, and slowly, you know, I think that he would have liked to see me continue uh, my writing. He was one of my biggest fans. Um, and, um, and that's what I did. So it's almost like this is a beginning of, of a new beginning. And, um, mm. and while writing it, uh, it was just, it, it was almost like therapy writing this and the subsequent book that's going to be coming out supposedly November 21st, I think, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that is on the Civil War. Also, a little bit of another spin on an, an old type of topic. And it's mm-hmm. uh, children as young as 10 that uh, s- uh, served as soldiers in the Civil War and also uh, women who dressed as men to serve in the Civil War.
1: I I hate to uh, poke at something that obviously is a a sad and sore subject, but what happened to your father?
0: He was uh, 78 years old. He was uh, an avid bicyclist. Wake up every morning at about 5 a.m. and you know he would do a couple of miles, which for him tended to be about 20 miles a day. Hmm. And uh, he won all kinds of medals and all that. And he was on his bike ride in uh, Northern Boulevard, which is part of Queens, and he was just about. To turn into the safety of the bike lane uh, when he was hit uh, by a car, uh, which was doing 40 miles an hour, which is the speed limit in that area, and, uh, and he was uh, he was killed. So, but um, you know, but you could say he uh, died loving what he was doing. And um, what also came out of the whole thing too was, um, uh, you know, the person who did hit him uh, was a first responder like me. And, um, you know, and I told him to, he was a very young kid, and I told him, you know, to get on with your life. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that it was just a horrible, horrible accident.
1: Are you from New York City? I mean, did you move up to the um, Catskills?
0: Yeah, I lived in another valley, uh, the Queens Valley. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, and, uh, very early on, I, I loved history, especially Revolutionary War history. And I remember as a young child, you know, holding a old coin, you know, uh, wheat pennies, wondering whose hand it passed through. And uh, I uh, volunteered as a kid at the Little Neck Farm Museum, the last working farm left in Queens. You know, and it was always very involved in history, as my father was as well. Uh, one summer we toured all the uh, Civil War battlefields. And, of course, you know, New York City was the scene of uh, the Battle of Long Island. the Mm -hmm. Battle for Manhattan, Harlem Heights, right up to Fort Washington where the original Molly Pitcher was.
1: What brought you to Gardner in Ulster County?
0: I guess it was history again. I've always just loved the Shongums. I spent a lot of time here. I had relatives who lived in the area in a very old house. It was the uh, Johannes Jansen Freer um, house. I um, fell in love with Huguenot Street. I worked there when I was going through college. And actually lived on the street and began working at uh, Washington's headquarters in Newburgh and working at the New Windsor Cantonment and on uh, all various historic sites. Uh, if I was, for a very short period, I volunteered at Wilderstein up at uh, in Rhinebeck, and I just fell in love with the with the history um, of, of this area as well um, as as the beauty. Um, and I lived in New Pauls for a long time, and then I. Um, moved over into uh, Kerhonkson, and up by the State Park, and, uh, and just fell in love with the history of that area, too, especially during the French and Indian War. And mm-hmm. um, I really started writing a lot about Colonel Jonathan Hasbrook, who grew up literally across the uh, um, Wallkill from where I am, and he built the home that became Washington's headquarters in Newburgh. Um, and I also um, just began to research a lot of the history, which uh, I guess became uh, one of my most popular books so far, uh, Wicked Ulster, Tales of Gangs, Desperados, hmm.
1: and more. Hmm. Well, pardon my, my ignorance of things Ulster. Um, you said you were in Kerhonkson. Is that the same as Gardner or that uh, that involved the move?
0: Um, that would have been in, during the American Revolution and the French and Indian War. That was the frontier. Uh, that's um, over uh, over the mountain. It would be over the Shawngums, uh, over forty four fifty five, which was the Old Minnewaska Trail, and um, it is considered Western uh, Ulster County. Uh, and uh, it's um, it, it would or stop on the DNH um, uh, Canal. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of my students are surprised to find out that. Uh, there was a canal right over the mountain uh, that ran from Pennsylvania, coalfields all the way up to, um, I believe it was Eddyville, on the Rondout, on uh, Kingston. And a lot of the towns that um, follow along Route 209, which is one of the earliest roads in that area, it's known as the Old Line Road, that was, um, uh, you, know, the, it, you know, it follows the, uh, or I should say the D&H Canal follows Route 209.
1: So you chose to live in Gardner?
0: Yes, in fact, I've always loved Gardner. I live in the, uh, I guess it would be town of New Paul's, but it's part of Gardner. Uh, Gardner uh, was um, originally part of New Paul's. I believe it was also part of Shongam, and it was part of Rochester. And then in 1853, um, it was divided up and became its own entity. So the lines and the history... Um, you know, keep, you know, they cross. But, um, mm. you know, I'm not too far from New Paul's, but um, Gardner has an interesting history um, all its own. And, you know, the aqu- I'm right now looking out my window, I can see, you know, where the aqueduct um, runs all the way down to New York City. And, you know, and, of course, you got the Smiley's and built Mohonka Mountain House. And before that, uh, I was old enough to stay at the uh, Minnewaska uh, Hotels. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Wildmere, and Cliff House. A.J. Schenkman is with us. We're getting quite an education about Ulster County and the, and the Catskills. He is author of the new book, Patriots and Spies in Revolutionary New York. Going way back to your first answer, which had to do with the spies and during the Revolutionary War, you said you originally were going to make it an Ulster County book, Were there spy, is there a spy incident in Ulster County that you write about?
0: Now, when I say Ulster County, when I'm writing about, say, the revolution, uh, Newburgh uh, used to be part of old Ulster, uh, and then eventually it was broken off into Orange County. And one of the things that um, I like to write about, we're not sure if it's true. I've never been able to find anything about it in Washington's papers. Um, It's more often in the commander-in-chief's guard history written in the 1880s. It's in Rudenberg's history of Newburgh, and a lot of stories keep getting recirculated. And that would be the Tory Ettrick, and he lived a short distance from uh, Washington's headquarters in Newburgh. Uh, It's the longest um, continuous headquarters of Washington's entire war. Um, he was there from about April 1st, 1782, until August uh, 1783. And uh, the Tory Ettrick uh, was um, looking to uh, kidnap uh, Washington, and he invites him to uh, dinner. And the Tory's uh, daughter, who's a patriot, and it shows how families could be divided, she went and she warned General Washington. Uh-huh. And he, kept his, um, he kept his appointment... And what he did is, uh, during dinner, he had his commander in chiefs guard surround uh, Ettrick's house. So in the middle of the uh, dinner, you know, the Tory stands up because he thought those were his men surrounding to arrest Washington. And he said, "Uh, I regret to inform you, Your Excellency, but you are my prisoner. And supposedly Washington never really even stopped eating. He never even looked at the guy and he just said, you know, quite the contrary, I believe you're my prisoner. And when the Tory looked outside, he saw, oh my God, this is the Commander-in-Chief's guard, and um, and he was going to execute, he was going to execute the Tory and or have him executed, and the the Tory's daughter said, please, no, don't, you know, I would never have told you this is my father. You can't kill him. They both exiled uh, to New York City, which was still in the hands of the uh, British since seventeen seventy six. I don't want to give too much of it away because then uh you, know, you won't buy the book but I will say that all royalties in this book including the writer's advance was uh donated to People's Places People's Places um I'm sorry People's Place um in Kingston, New York and it's um uh it you know it supplies uh, meals to uh uh, people uh, that are having this, especially during COVID nineteen, uh, food insecurity. It's just a real good community center for uh, mm-hmm. making sure that the community is taken care of sure. and, uh, and good uh, and making sure they're being fed.
1: And also, you've mentioned in passing a number of times. Let me ask you specifically: You're a teacher. Where, where do you teach?
0: I teach in the uh, Walkill Middle School, which has. More history onto itself. It's the John G. Borden Middle School of Borden fame. John G. Borden, who's the son of Gail Borden, who didn't invent condensed milk, but he perfected it. Uh, he, uh, uh, John G. Borden's estate, uh, is located across from that middle school. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was uh, a home farm. So the whole condensory was there, all that great stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. there was. So, so the Borden's gave the land to the school, which was originally um, a high school, um, ba- you know, a long time ago, but now is a middle school.
1: The only thing that comes to my mind about Bordens is Elsie the Cow. Was, was she a resident of that area? Or
0: no? no, I don't believe so. I think she came later. It's a great story. I mean, history is, a lot of times, is stories. You know, my seventh graders uh, really, absolutely love you know, uh, you know the stories about you know what's going, what went on, and uh, you know where they lived, and uh, you know, and it's um, you know, you you have to get that next generation to kind of buy into the local history to actually preserve it um, sure. as well. And I know I until I was in college, again going back to Newburgh, I never even knew that Washington stayed in Newburgh. And you know, I knew that Washington visited Stone Ridge in Ulster County on his way to Kingston. Um, you know, I never knew about the Bordens and all that great stuff that happened in this area.
1: Wow! Uh, and so, you teach seventh grade? That's a yep. that's great, really.
0: Um, I, I you know, I, I've taught high school. Um, I've taught you know global studies and U.S. history. Um, but um, it just like seventh graders. You know, I think uh, I t- a lot of times I teach 7th and 8th, and when I teach 8th, uh, of course, you know, we have to focus on uh, FDR and Eleanor and FALA and, you know, and all that great stuff.
1: What, what is, I may hate to take another detour, but what's happening in your school in connection with COVID? Are, do you actually meet every day?
0: We're divided up into cohorts, and so on, say, a Monday and Tuesday, you'd have cohort A. And um, Wednesday and Thursday, you would have Cohort B. And then Friday, they do what's known as a deep clean. Then uh, everybody is learning at home, and it's all cohorts, and it's done through Zoom. So we are – our school is open. And, of course, there's that remote option um, as well. And um, I also Zoom live every day. So mm-hmm. and, um, cause I feel it's important that students that are remote for whatever reason – are able um, to um, interact with their peers and see a teacher. And, um, but it's those students that are not, uh, that have just dropped off the radar that, you know, that, that worry me. But it's definitely been difficult and a lot of virtual tours. In fact, when you were, um, uh, when I was waiting for the phone call, I was uh, looking at uh, a virtual tour of Warm Springs, Georgia, where FDR had the little White House. A lot of virtual tours are coming online now. And so students get to go into Monticello, where Jefferson uh, lived, um, to places they'd never, ever be able to go. They can take a tour of the Gettysburg, um, uh, you know, Battlefield, um, Mm -hmm. or the houses on Huguenot Street. So in that way, it's been a, a lot of fun. But um, I, I crave that interaction with the students, working with the students, and, um, you know, and there's more to life than just computers.
1: A.J. Shankman is with us. His uh, book is Patriots and Spies in Revolutionary New York. Back to that topic, you did uh, tell us a story of an, an act of a, attempted espionage or an attempt on George Washington's life by an English sympathizer, but also... I'm. Uh, Believe it! It is said in your book you have opportunistic patriots causing mayhem. Do you have an example of that? Uh,
0: I would say uh, Cornelius Hasbrook, who is the uh, son of Colonel Jonathan Hasbrook, a noted patriot, and but the colonel, um, he uh, later on when they try uh, Cornelius up in Kingston, Colonel Hasbrook is dead. He died in 1780. But um, Cornelius uh, in the late 1770s is a little, uh, it's a little upset because um, Newburgh is a, um, a center of military activity. I mean, you know, you've got the uh, uh, Continental Ferry there and all the supplies are, are just warehousing in Newburgh. So because, he ha- uh, because Hasbrook has such an amazing mill, He's one of the richest men in in that area. And also he's got uh, great pastures that um, they have, um, uh, the Continental Army starts storing cattle on uh, Hasbrook's lands. Uh, But the problem is that they're not, uh, Cornelius is feeling wronged because he's not getting payment when he feels as though he should be getting payment. So he Mm -hmm. decides, you know, okay, if you don't want to pay me, I'll just take a few Continental cattle um, as payment without asking and the government even today looks really looks down on that sort of thing
1: Um, so
0: he steals the cattle and he tries to uh, sell it to people and they see the mark on the horns and they're like we don't want any part of this but finally he finds people that actually will be a part of it and uh... and cornelius eventually gets nabbed and he gets branded and his case goes all the way to uh... to the congress uh, to Governor Clinton, and they want to make an example of him. And in the books, you find out in 1776, Cornelius uh, disappeared to Nova Scotia, espousing the cause of the King. And in fact, even after he's branded in, uh, uh, you know, uh, up in Kingston, uh, you know, and he, he returns to Newburgh, uh, and he's waiting for his um, father's inheritance. And what happens is. Um, he does go to Canada, but it's much later. It's about 1800 that he uh, disappears he off. off to Canada. And I've never been able to. I found him in um, uh, the town of Sandwich, which would have been Upper Canada. But um, after he um, has John Sudam, uh who is a noted lawyer up in Kingston, after he has him representing him, uh, and he sells all his lands in Newburgh, just disappears. And you just can't find him anymore.
1: Hmm. Patriots and Spies in Revolutionary New York, I'm told, is a compilation of 12 stories uh, regarding moments in New York State's history during the Revolution. You've been kind enough to share several of the stories. Maybe we've we've heard it already, but do you have a favorite story?
0: I think it would probably be the one that I just told you, Cornelius, because um, I researched and studied uh, his father for over 10 years. Even worked at Washington's headquarters. I remember as a kid, you know, cleaning the, um, uh, the, the stone house where it, the headquarters was and just trying to imagine all the scenes of history unfolding in that house. And I just could never figure out what happened to Cornelius. And uh, one day I was up in the county archives the, um, looking through some old deeds, and I said, you know what, let me look up Cornelius Hasbrook. And sure enough, he was there. It was, I don't want to say it was misfiled, because, um, you know, Newburgh used to be part of Ulster. And uh, I remember the sensation going through me. And then from there, I, I just went back and back. And then a friend of mine who was the archivist at uh, HHS said, you know, we just got something relating to Cornelius. And about a battle land deal in eighteen hundred, and it says formally of Newburgh. I, I just so enjoyed, you know, uncovering it. And then, of course, I was looking for his deposition, but because of the big archives fire in the early nineteen hundreds up at the um, uh, up in Albany, mm-hmm. almost all of Governor Clinton's papers were destroyed. But I still called up the archivists up there and asked, and and I think it was uh, Mr. Gorman, an archivist up there, said, uh, "I think you're in luck." Uh, I think those pa- the deposition survived, but it's badly burned, so here I'm sitting here with the Cornelius Hasbrook deposition, and sure enough, everything just lined up, and then it mm. continued to line up with papers in the Ulster County archives and on Foxall in, in, uh, in Kingston. And it was just, it was so exciting. I wrote a journal article about it for the Orange County Historical Society. And, um, and still uh, talking about the Hasbrooks in Washington headquarters is still uh, popular, but not as popular as Wicked Ulster. People mm. like to hear about people um, doing, uh, I guess, bad things back in the day. And Indeed. one person asked me, they said, um, they said, uh, Mr. Shankman, um, do you ever feel guilty about writing about people's ancestors and the Hasbrooks and all these things that people did in history, and I—I I think it was was it Amy Lamont. I'm maybe uh, messing the name up. Uh, she said, "If people wanted you to remember them better, they should have behaved better in life." <laughs> so, and you know, and occasionally I will get um, family members uh, that'll call me up, give me even juicier stories. And uh, recently. Uh, someone called me up and said that they had the walking cane for Eli Hasbrook, who would have been the grandson of Colonel Jonathan. And, you know, and um, so, you know, and I enjoy I enjoy stuff like that. You know, I enjoy I enjoy, yep. um, I enjoy writing.
1: Let me ask you this. What were the tools of spies in the 1700s? The invisible ink is one, I believe. I mean, any beautiful. other devices a la James Bond?
0: go that far, but disguises, aliases were usually what they did, even though he wasn't a spy. uh, Well, I don't know. I guess there's debate about that. But Daniel Taylor, who's uh, they uh, they hung him up in uh, in Hurley uh, from an apple tree. Daniel Taylor was caught uh, wearing civilian clothing, if I remember the story correctly. And uh, if you were in civilian clothing, you were considered a spy. If you were in military clothing, you were considered an officer and a gentleman. And to be a spy was also considered one of the lowest, I, I guess, uh, forms of uh, military participation. Like Enoch Crosby, uh, his family said, "Come on, don't do this. Don't be a spy. If if they hang, if you know, if you get caught, they're just going to unceremoniously, you know, kill you. And it's just, you know, you know, being a soldier, you know, is a little bit." Uh, you know, more of something to be proud of. So, but, um, and, you know, so um, I guess espionage has uh, changed, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit, you know, uh, than it did then. But, you know, just to know that, you know, it was out there, uh, it, you know, is very interesting.
1: There wasn't anything like the Central Intelligence Agency or Britain's MI6 or MI5?
0: No, uh, John Jay, um, I believe, is credited with starting up one of the intelligence circles, uh, but Washington did have, you know, a group of, of, of people around him, you know, that were co- constantly giving him intelligence, as the British did as well, but was it like, you know, with the CIA or the, um, or, you know, or something like that? You know, probably not, probably wasn't that sophisticated.
1: A.J. Schenkman has been uh, talking with us about his book, Patriots and Spies in Revolutionary New York published by Roman and Littlefield and their Pequot Globe Press. And the proceeds, you said, benefit a charity. Uh, Where was that located again?
0: It's in Kingston. It's People's Place. That will, and again, the royalties will be uh, given to them. We were supposed to do a a book signing there. Uh, This book was supposed to be out months ago, but COVID uh, created uh, issues around publication, and we really can't do any in-person yeah, nice book time. signings, but I do have uh, virtual events coming up. I believe April eighth um, is will be at Historic Huguenot Street, and also September nineteenth will be um, time in the Valley's Museum in Gramsville, um, New York, and several other um,
1: individuals,
0: uh, you know, organizations are looking to have me. Uh, speak through Zoom, which again is not the same thing as being in person.
1: I much prefer being in person. A.J. Schenkman, thank you very much for joining us. Kate,
0: okay, thank you so much.
1: A.J. Schenkman's author of Patriots and Spies in Revolutionary New York. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.